a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I don't know that I necessarily want the people to remember my sermon for uh, a week as much as I want them to uh, receive that Word of God right there. If this is a, uh, a download of information, it's important that you retain that information. Yeah. But if this is being addressed by a, a burning bush, I know that a burning bush talked to me. And I said to the guy, uh, look, at when the Bible talks about vision, it's, it's talking about the death of Jesus. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about confessing the creed. And his answer to me was, yeah, uh, I'm not using vision in the biblical sense, but rather in the business sense. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I, by the way, had no knowledge of that encounter when I posed the hypothetical. <laughs> I think I remember how to do this. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. I don't. You never did in the first place. Hey, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you were getting ready to, for your nuptials, which have passed. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. Congratulations to you and um, condolences to Mandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have to officially retire the Who Wants to Date a Pastor hotline today. Pastor Gagline has entered into the holy estate of matrimony. Uh, and but, um, and but. Uh, oh, in the conversation leading up to the nuptials, uh, you she said Mandy was worried about me being a DJ, and I said don't don't worry, I'm a radio <laughs> professional. Uh, I do this all we're, the time. We're, we're opening up the uh, DJ for Hire hotline. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, why you were so surprised. I mean, I was thinking to my whole, the, my, myself the whole time, what can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and all I was thinking about is what could go wrong. Um, <laughs> But I, I was surprised. I was disappointed. I didn't get to hear Uptown Funk. Um, but uh, I, I, mean, I, I just assumed Town. that's true. That was going to be on the playlist. Didn't hear that one. But uh, I did hear uh, what's that general song you always play? Oh yeah, the general. That's what it's called by dispatch. Yeah. So I heard that like picture. Um, no, actually, I, mean, I actually was surprised. It went rather well. <laughs> I know, you're so, <laughs> so shocked. I am. We did get to hear Stevie Wonder Superstition about five times. <laughs> that one was on repeat. It was like five times in a row. Did uh, Cat Stevens make the playlist? I, I wasn't really paying yeah. attention to you. That's probably Cat, why I thought it Cat was Cat Muhammad so well. Stevens was. Uh, Cat Muhammad Stevens was on there. There was a long time playing uh, as your. Uh, as your Pharisee list said, uh, easy listening background music. <laughs> Pharisee list. I give him. This, my, this my is itinerary. how the this is the email, the itinerary which said itinerary for music songs during the reception. To which I wrote back and said suggested itinerary for songs, and then it came back to me required itinerary for songs during the mandatory yeah. music list. Mandatory. That's right. The Pharisee list. Anyway. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, I'm glad it didn't. Uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm glad it didn't go as bad as you thought it would. Well, <laughs> yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. You and Mandy leaving for your honeymoon. You're like, well, 
Whew, what a relief. <laughs> Brian true. didn't really mess that up. That's true. Um, <laughs> what else? Oh, yeah. So I, do you want to tell people the, the gift I gave you as your honorarium of being a DJ? <laughs> That's right. We, we're we sitting there at the uh, rehearsal dinner, and Evan's handing out gifts, you know, fine bottles of wine and whiskey and all sorts of nice things. And, and I got a gift, too. I couldn't believe it. I got a gift, and uh, and we weren't supposed to open it, apparently, so I'm kind of feeling around to see what it is. And the kids are playing with it, and Hannah looks at me all, all of a sudden it. with a shocked look on her face, and she said, Dad, that's a selfie stick. <laughs> And sure enough, the kids are like, yeah, Dad, Evan got you a selfie stick. And then Hannah, with this deep look of profound concern on her face, said, Dad, that's the kind of gift you get for a narcissist. <laughs> Which is, and all uh, the kids are like this. And I said, uh, honey, no, you've, you're reading this all wrong. You get a selfie stick for someone who you wish you could see more pictures of their face. <laughs> yeah, that's why I got it for Pastor Selfie. <laughs> so we had, uh, we had the selfie stick out during the wedding. The problem, you want to know the real problem with a selfie stick? I'll tell you. I never had used one before. And, uh, and the real problem with a selfie stick is there, you get too much in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're taking a selfie, you know, you want your face to fill the picture there. The selfie stick, it's like, I can hardly even see myself on I, there. I'm sure you're big head enough is enough to block the background, don't worry. <laughs> Take it easy. Um, I, by the way, um, was, you know, cutting a rug during the reception, as you probably remember. And oh, yeah. I uh, remember dancing with Mandy at some point, looking over and. Uh, you're dancing with Carrie while selfie stick in hand, <laughs> and I <laughs> think was... <laughs> I think the way it probably went down, it was originally you and Carrie dancing, and then the selfie stick asked to cut in. It's Can probably... I cut in? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was great. Your brother got a great picture of that because me, I was because I did. I have a good picture from that moment. <laughs> Of me doing the selfie stick with you and Mandy dancing in the background. It's on the Facebook. You've probably never seen it. Nope. And then, uh, and then your brother got a picture of me and Carrie and the selfie stick. So I don't need Facebook. Anyway. You know why? <laughs> why? Because if I wanted to look at humiliating pictures of you, I would just go over to tabletalkradio.org and oh, look, really? look on the homepage. That's what I would do. I'm doing that. Did you put something dumb up there? What? <laughs> I would put anything dumb up there. <laughs> What? what? How do you? Oh my goodness, that's ridiculous. <laughs> what are you uh, seeing? <laughs> that's back in my thinner days. When did you get that? Did you go visit mom and dad's house? There's uh, apparently. I'm just seeing this now. There's a picture of my high school. Uh, what do you call it? The high school glamour shots. The, yeah, the senior pictures. I'm there in my letter jacket, and I see some Sheesh, patches the, on this letter jacket too. Did you actually earn those or something? Barely. Yeah. <laughs> boy, oh boy, that's impressive. Uh-huh. So <laughs> anyway, you, hair can, and all. you can check out our website, tabletalkradio.org, if you want to look at that, uh, that good-looking guy right there. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks for that. You're welcome. Well, we've been off for almost all summer. It's been a crazy summer, but we're back onto a regular schedule. So we're going we're gonna to jump back in today. What are we going to talk about the wedding? Oh, we're going to talk about your honeymoon especially. We want uh, oh, some yeah. detail, the, the, the theological details of your honeymoon, please. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then we're going to try to catch up on some email. And then uh, this week we're going to try to get back into the rhythm of actually doing the show. So thanks, everyone, for your patience all summer. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So, uh, we had a fantastic honeymoon. Um, we did a little Hawaii vacation and we did a six night stay in Maui and a five night stay in Kauai. Uh, beautiful, beautiful place. You ever been there, Pastor Wolfman? Nope. You gotta nope. go. Uh, all I know is, uh, uh, when I heard you were going on your honeymoon to Hawaii, I said, don't tell Carrie. So then anyway, she finds out. She says, 16 years we've been married and never been to Hawaii. Anyway, that's how that conversation went. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, so, well, I think once your DJ business takes off. How many, <laughs> how many, how many, ti- how many times have you been invited to do a... Twice now. <laughs> I really, I got another invitation. And I said, no, it's a joke. Don't tell Evan. It's a joke. I don't know what I'm doing. But I have been to like three weddings since yours, and I've been paying a special attention to the DJs and all their equipment. Yeah. And like, well, the guy's not quite as good as, I, you know. I remember sitting next to my brother, Travis, and he's like, yeah, he's got this software over there that he can like change the tempo and then match the tempos of the songs. And I'm like, yeah, I gave him that software. <laughs> And he goes, you really are the technological background, backbone hey. to Wolf Miller. <laughs> I, lo- I am impressed you got the whole thing hooked up all by yourself. Hey, thanks. That is plug impressive. Plug this and that. I mean, there's only one place to plug in the things. You I, know, I mean, so. I had to color code everything, but you did good. You did good. <laughs> now, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. So, so this is, but I know about the story, which I want you to tell. So you were in Hawaii for your honeymoon. And you went and visited a congregation on Sunday. Yeah, okay, well... Which, by the way, everybody should do when you're on vacation. Hey, just because you're on vacation, don't miss church. Because incredible things happen when you visit other churches. It's part of the fellowship that we have in Christ. It's great. Yeah. But especially your story. Fantastic. Well, I I don't know if it's uh, that great of a story, but... um, So, first of all, you have to set the scene. Because, um, you know, you're starting to look for a church Sunday morning on vacation... And uh, you, one of the first things you do is you go to the probably the LCMS website, see what other LCMS churches are uh, in the area. Or there's that other website. What's the other one? Um, that little liturgical... Yeah, I don't uh, know. Else, uh, lit, uh, yeah, liturgical congregation. That's yeah. pretty handy. Your pastor can probably tell you about that if you don't know what we're talking about. So um, anyway, so I go on the LCMS website. I do a little search for the uh, island of Kauai in Hawaii and no congregations... Uh, show up from the LCMS, and your heart sinks a little, you know, because you're you're thinking, what am I what am I gonna do? I mean, it's kind of like you open up the fridge and there's nothing to eat. I mean, it's just an empty fridge, and you're you're, you're kind of wondering. So I, I start debating. Okay, well, we could go to the ELCA church, I guess, um, or you, maybe the Episcopal church. I looked at the Episcopal church there in Kauai. At least use the lectionary, so. I'd, um, be listening to the readings. Um, they had the liturgy. I thought that that was maybe something good. And the, I knew that the pastor would actually preach on the gospel. So at least he's talking about Jesus. Um, so that's where I was. And when we get back from this break. I'll tell you what happened after that. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. This is Uptown Funk Pastor. <laughs> it didn't make the list. <laughs> 
Make a dragon want to retire, man. For immature audiences only, this is Table Talk Radio. You're insecure, don't know what for. You're turning heads when you walk through the door. Don't we make up to cover up? Being the way that you are is enough. I don't know if that one made the, the song list. Um, no way, man. That's but, not uh, nearly popular. No, hey, not you like know how rusty we are? And, and Superstition, <laughs> Cat Stevens. That's a, that's a hit list right there. <laughs> hey, we, we forgot to do the buzzwords. Remember that buzzword thing that we oh, do at we the beginning of the show? Yeah, well, I, I totally forgot. Um, you give me yours first. My buzzword is in abstentia. <laughs> <laughs> Latin, that's good. Yeah, that, thanks. Uh, that means in absence. So that means doing something while you're not there. So uh, like you mostly the you like vote in abstentia. Uh, I don't except, know what else you do in abstentia. Yeah, you can accept an award, a degree, something like that in abstentia. And that basically defines Table Talk Radio, in abstentia. Apparently, we got <laughs> while we were uh, taking the summer off, basically, we got a bunch of emails uh, thanking us, you know. Thanks for the break. <laughs> really needed it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for, you know, loving us by not sending out new shows. So, Table Talk Radio in Abstentia, you are welcome. This is where the hatred begins, apparently. Coming back, I mean. Uh, okay, well, I got a theological buzzword for you. I uh, just clicked off of the homepage there of tabletalkradio.org where there's a fantastic picture of Pastor Wolfman there when he's like 13. Uh, and onto the buzzword uh, section. 17, I think. Oh, <laughs> are you 17? Huh. Did you play football? What, what position did you play? Uh, offensive guard, defensive tackle. Nice. What, what, what is it? What? Did you? Uh, why are you asking no, such questions? I did not. See the footballs on the picture of my, on my letter jacket there? The footballs on the arm? Shouldn't there be like letters on the letter? Like, didn't you guys get like badges to put on the letter? Yeah, like I mean, well sometimes decorated. there's not enough room, you know. <laughs> All right, my theological buzzword for you is, oh, let's go with expiation. expiation. Uh, and expiation is to make satisfaction, appeasement, or atonement. So that uh, we our sins have been, uh, or, let's see, that, that Christ in his death is uh, an, an expiation, that his sins... Our sins uh, are uh, given to him, and now God's wrath is appeased. So there's a satisfaction that we are now right with God because of his work on the cross. Hey, you know, we were talking about the other day the difference between expiation and propitiation. Okay. Now, have you, now is, this isn't a, a really interesting—I I always forget this, but now it's on my mind. So that, um, that expiation is, making, is, is uh, satisfying the punishment required from an action or a sin— Propitiation is ending the anger at the person offended. So, okay, so let's pretend that um, let's pretend that I crash into your car. Okay, so now um, I I when I fix the damage done to your car, that's expiation. And when you are now no longer mad at me because the damage has been fixed, that's propitiation. 
So expiation is in regard to the offense. Propitiation is in regard to the person. See the difference there? Okay. So Christ expiates our sin, and the result is that we are his, God's wrath is turned into kindness. That's propitiation. And all of that happens, so that, all of that is under the umbrella of atonement. Okay, so you need to update your definition on tabletalkradio.org. All right. All right. If I knew how to change the things on tabletalkradio.org, <laughs> this picture wouldn't be on here. <laughs> yes. Happy birthday, by the yes. way. I got that as hey. your birthday picture. Thank you. What are you yep. now? 50? 55? Close. Close. 38. Oh, nice. Very good. Of all things. Okay. Um, okay, so um, in Hawaii, uh, yes. dreading the idea of maybe going to an ELCA or Episcopal church, and then I, in the recesses of my brain, remember about a uh, Lutheran mission that uh, someone told me about. So I go online, kind of searching. I didn't really know what to look for. I finally find um, St. Matthew's Lutheran Church. And uh, you know our friend uh, that we've had on the show here before, uh, Dr. John Bombaro? I remember, yep, that guy. Yep. He started this little Lutheran mission in Kauai. And they meet in a public library there, and uh, they gather together. They have LSB hymnals. They uh, use Divine Service Setting 1. Um, use the, they mostly sing the liturgy a cappella, but the um, hymns, they have the, you know, the CDs, the accompaniment CDs that uh, provide some organ accompaniment. I think um, CPH puts that out, recorded at Fort Wayne. Uh, sing, sing to that. And here you have, here, look at this. I, I, I found a Lutheran church. So I walk in. And introduce myself to the to the first guy that's standing at the door, and pretty soon, would you believe it? There are table talk radio listeners in Kauai. <laughs> this is I, I don't even think this is true. I mean, I need Mandy I, to authenticate this story. <laughs> I had no idea all of our listeners were in Hawaii. Did you know that? No, because <laughs> there were I think four at this church, so that add that I think accounts for all thirteen. Um, wow! So that's pretty amazing. Um, but anyway, I just want to have a little shout out to uh, Tim and Kaya and um, and Adam and Bethany. Um, thanks for our th- Table Talk Radio our listeners. And ta- did now did is Mandy like oh because you know whenever Not anything like again. that happens, care care. <laughs> that's that's how it is. if anything ever like that happens and carries around, she's like shh, don't tell him you actually listen to him. <laughs> he won't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it a secret, guys. <laughs> That's right. So now Mandy's got to get, uh, you know, <laughs> have to adapt to your celebrity status. I'm sure. I'm sure she's thoroughly impressed and completely enamored. Um, yeah, that's. I, I would think that's probably. <laughs> Probably what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, look, you could take a, a little tip from me, the man who's been married for 16 years-ish. And don't say, when you and Mandy are talking about the honeymoon, say, yeah, honey, the best part was when we went to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> Wait a minute. That kind of was the best part, though. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't matter. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, congratulations again, and welcome back. And uh, God be praised for uh, giving you a patient and enduring bride. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, and uh, thanks for your DJ services. Um, couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time you've ever said that. Couldn't, uh, couldn't keep a straight face while saying that. Sorry. 
Well, so I think what we're going to do during the rest of this broadcast is uh, work through the email box. During our, uh, what, like one-month vacation, uh, the emails really started to add up. So we're going to try and chip away at those. I have to log into Trello. It's been so long that Trello doesn't remember who I am. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, so I got some, it. Don't worry, I'm yeah. all over the Trello. I got one for you. Ready? For me. Here's one, dear mediocre Mike Masters. That's me, by the way. The mediocre Mike Master. I know, but I know you've played the game Ten Commandments in the news with reckless or wreckful abandon. Do you think you could write up an article for it with some additional questions, ideas, or elaborations about how each of the commandments is dealt with in our world? I know Luther's Small Catechism tackles the Ten Commandments in detail, and we can look at the table of duties to see where we fit, but flesh out the Ten Commandments so that we, your loyal, for about two to three weeks at a time, listeners, can play the home game around the dinner table, maybe with a little wine or grape juice, depending on how big a missionist are you. Jokingly, Jason. Now I'm glad he's, t- he's. This is a joke because I wasn't about to write an article, but I'm happy to expound on the thing here while talking. So the question is: Can you uh, add some more so that people at home can play the game? How big? Wait, no. Uh, Ten Commandments in the news, and I think that's a great request, Jason. So, uh, so we'll do that now. Now, the the idea behind Ten Commandments in the news, as uh, the faithful two to three week listeners know, is that we take a news story and then we ask, what commandments does it have to do with? Now, the 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 premise behind this uh, is twofold. One, and this is the problem that we're addressing, most people think of the Ten Commandments in very reductionistic terms. So the Ten Commandments are purely negative and and purely descriptive of our own moral choices. In fact, the people, most people understand the Ten Commandments really something like the list of rules that are on the side of the swimming pool. You know, mm-hmm. uh, don't swim uh, an hour after you eat. Uh, no glass bottles in swimming area. Anyone under twelve must be accompanied by an adult. After ten o'clock, no lifeguard is on duty. Uh, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery, and so forth. Th- th- that th- that it's seemingly arbitrary list of things that you are not supposed to do. But we want to understand the Ten Commandments in a much more uh, maximalizing way. Namely, that the Ten Commandments are a summary of God's order and institution of the world. So that behind the commandments is something that God has put in place for our good, both naturally and spiritually, uh, to protect our conscience and to protect our lives and the other gifts that God wants to give to us. So, for example, the easiest one, I suppose, would be the Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery, which forbids all sort of uh, sexual immorality. But in a broader picture, the the Sixth Commandment is instituting uh, marriage, uh, holy matrimony, husband and wife. And so if uh, uh, s- something that we see has to do with marriage and family then it is, in fact, uh, having to do with the Sixth Commandment. Or the Fourth Commandment, honor your father and mother, we understand in a maximalizing way is that the Fourth Commandment is really the fountain of all of the other commandments that come after it, ordering our interactions in the world, giving the gift of neighbor and authority and the two secular estates. Uh, so, So we understand the Fourth Commandment much more than a list of things to do with children, but a whole way of ordering our lives in the world. Okay, we need to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. More of your emails right after this. Thank you. 
best show ever. Table Talk Radio. Hey, I played that song. Yeah. The kids made me do it. You know, that one's popular with the kids these days. You know, I realize that I'm an old fuddy-duddy, really, at two times in my life. And those two times are, number one, whenever softball season starts here at Hope Lutheran Church. And I get out there, and I'm like, oh, man, I've lost another three inches off my range to get to the ground balls. And and the second time in my life I notice that I'm becoming an old fuddy-duddy is when um, I go to weddings. Because? (laughs) Well, there's all these, apparently, you know, the newlyweds and all their friends and everything, and they're just a good 10, 15 years younger, and the music that they listen to and the clothes that they wear and the tattoos that they have, et cetera, et cetera. Now, your wedding wasn't so bad because you're old. <laughs> you you waited for the for the wine to mature before you got married. That's but, uh, you know, and uh, you know, these, these young kids getting married, it's like, how did, why, when did everybody under 30 go get, decide that they needed tattoos? It's amazing. <laughs> we went a couple of years ago to the thing called the water park, which is where I guess you probably see more of people's bodies than you normally do. And I couldn't believe it. Everybody, if you're, it's like a requirement to be under thirty nowadays. Is you have to have tattoos everywhere. You're such a funny dad. That's gnosticism, by the way. Well, tattoos. I'll explain that to you later. No, no, no. Did you guys get uh, matching tattoos in Hawaii? We did. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm interested in this now. Do do, do talk about because the gnosticism the, of tattooing. Because the, one of the marks of the Gnostic is that your true self is your spiritual self, and your body is just a shell. And so, um, so now you are, you act upon, your your so so, we understand our lives as our will is enacted upon that which is not us. So we act upon, we act on those things outside of ourselves. Well, now, if you're a Gnostic, you understand your body, in fact, as something outside of you that can be manipulated by you, and you can express your will on your body rather than expressing your will with your body. So that the idea that I can I can interact with my body as a something slightly different than myself and change it or manipulate it or permanently uh, adjust it, etc., is a form of Gnosticism. I gotta I'm gonna meditating on this a little bit so that I can express it a little bit better. But I mean this this phenomenon of tattoos. I mean I don't necessarily think that it's it has to be sinful. In other words, I think it it can be sinful. I don't think it necessarily needs to be of necessity sinful, but it's got to be an expression of something because there was a switch where everyone's like, "Yeah, I got you got to get a tattoo." I remember going to seminary, whatever that was, twenty years ago. Man, yeah, is that right? Old no, fifteen dead. years ago. Like and uh, there was one a classmate of mine, and he says, "Do you think I'm the only guy here with a with a tattoo?" And I said, "No, I, I no way." But I think he was the only guy in our class with a tattoo. Now compare that to now. I mean, just everybody everywhere. Now, now if you're a pastor, you have to have a tattoo to show you have a past. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, that's right. Uh, now I'm interested in the distinction you would make in times that um, getting a tattoo would be sinful and times that it would not be sinful. Any distinctions you can make? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, 
Uh, certainly. So, for example, the content of a tattoo can be sinful. And for some reason, tattooing lends itself sometimes to the kind of raunchy stuff. So, uh, you know, I got a guy coming into church and, you know, he's a Christian now and he has a bunch of tattoos from pre-Christian days and they're embarrassing to him. You know, mm-hmm. he's got to go go back to the tattoo person to get him to tattoo some clothes on the ladies. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this, so certainly that's a way to be, uh, be um, uh, sinful. But th- this, I mean, to to get a tattoo as an expression of that my body is somehow disposable or not part of who I am, that's a uh, that that kind of thinking is sinful thinking. It's not Christian thinking. Yeah, it's it's as if the the getting of the tattoo itself isn't the sin, but it is an expression of one's uh, one's own theology. Right. That. Uh, that the theology that a person holds uh, uh, could be sinful. Now, what I'll tell you, that most people get a tattoo because they're like, hey, that sounds like a cool idea, or they're drunk, or both. <laughs> which, which was yours? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no tattoos. <laughs> like the pure wind-driven snow, that's how all my flesh is. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, I don't think most people are thinking, hey, I, I, I've got these Gnostic tendencies and I'm going to manifest it by yeah. inking, you know, but, but most people are just like, hey, this sounds like a cool idea. But, the, but that, that I, but you know, when culture starts to embrace ideas as cool, you, you got to wonder what's the, th- what's, the, what is, what's the confession behind this? We should do a game and it could be like cultural trends theology or name that tattoo worldview or something. I mean, really, so I guess we could because a tattoo is like a bumper sticker for your body. So bumper sticker theolo- tattoo theology would be a thing, although I'm not sure we should go I looking for it. I don't really want to. Tattoo. Um, yeah. Unsafe um, for chaste eyes. Yeah. Um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Tattoos, yeah. Gnosticism. You were going to put in abstentia as your... That's probably it. I'm just going to tattoo in absentia right on my <laughs> forehead. Okay, 500, so 500 <laughs> points for that. I mean, it's it's true that, I mean, it's not like, hey, guys, do you know what we should do since we're Gnostics? We should go get tattoos. Um, oh, that's what I was going to talk about, though. I mean, I think there was a time in which uh, people would get tattoos to be kind of countercultural. Like, I'm sticking it to the man because I'm getting a tattoo. Look how edgy I am. And now, since kind of everybody has one, you have to kind of one-up it. And I don't know if that's maybe the reason for kind of the wacky and crazy piercings that you see sometimes. Um, like, all over a person's body, your face, uh, get tattooed everywhere. Or, uh, sorry, pierced everywhere because um, that, I mean, you now have to have something to stand out from society because tattoos don't really do it anymore. Yeah, I know. I know, but this idea—it's this idea of uh, now I act on my body as an independent agent. That's the thing that's the the the, the indication of narcissism, and where you see it—I mean, kind of most clearly—is in all of this kind of insane conversation about gender reassignment, mm. as if that could be a thing. I mean, you can't—I mean, you can't change that. You—I mean, you—you you can't manipulate the DNA, which you, most of the time defines someone as. Uh, a man or a woman, and yet you you bring your will to bear on your own body to change it in such a way. That's uh, there. That's that's also a, a form of narcissism. I remember. Uh, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, bringing and bringing that violence on um, on onto the body. 
I remember doing a table table talk extra years ago. Remember those two minute deals we used to do? The no no. <laughs> well, we used to do these two minute features called table talk extras, and um, I I remember recording one about uh, converse or not really a conversation, just kind of a a phrase I heard someone say one time. And they said, "Well, it's my body; I can do with it whatever I want." And I just kind of posed the question, "What do you think the girl was talking about?" And you know, it's probably leading some to think, well, probably talking about abortion. But in this case, she's actually talking about getting a tattoo. Yeah. And uh, her father objected. And she said, well, it's my body. I can do with it whatever I want. And right. it's fascinating because Paul actually says the opposite. He says, your bodies are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Yep. Um, Jesus Christ has spilled his blood for your body, and and it is it is uh, your body is his. Yep. Very good. Okay. Um, now, maybe just one more thing. It's actually not your body when you want to end the life of a of a human baby. Just throwing that out there. Not right. your body. That's right. Someone else. And and do you know the other thing that's wrong with that statement is this: I can do what I want. Goodness, you know. There's. I was reading this book the other day. Accidentally read a book. Uh, I got wrapped into it. I got past page ten. This guy was talking about modernity and all sorts of other stuff. And um, and he says, you know, there's basically two ways to look at the world. Either I conform my desires to the truth, or I conform the truth to my desires. Now, I think that's a very helpful way of pitting hedonism against morality, basically. And so, uh, so the question is, okay, uh, if what I want does not match up with what is true— then what has to change? Right. And the answer that the Bible and every rational, moral human being, even atheists, would give is, well, what has to change is your desires. Mm -hmm. But the insanity of the days in which we live is that we now go to change the truth. So, okay, I, I want to marry someone that is illegal for me to marry or that I'm not supposed to marry, and now i got to go change marriage, the truth, the institution, to match my own desires. I mean, that's just that's which, insanity. Which is part of the reason we play that game, Ten Commandments in the News, to bring us back full circle, to uh, to understand our life in the context of these institutions, the the life in which the Lord has given it to us, mm -hmm. so that we would understand. Uh, I am placed here as a uh, as a husband. I'm placed here maybe as a father or as a, uh, a, a an employer or what have you. And uh, these are the the places that God has. Uh, given me to uh, love my neighbor, and when there are times that I want something that don't fit into these offices, then I need to repent. <laughs> I need to repent of of my sinful desires, uh, because what the Lord has given us is good. the Lo The Lord reveals uh, these vocations to us for the sake of love, not for the sake of fulfilling sin uh, sinful desire. I got another email for you. Okay, real quick. This is from Brady. I grew up Pentecostal, went back and forth from spiritual high to spiritual low, from fact, altars. I'm just going to cut you off right there. We need to just give this email enough time in the last segment. So, oh, what do you? We're over now. We got one we're more. We got one more. But okay. Okay. rather than you trying to cram it in and, and during this bump music, let's just take a break and we'll come back and get that email from Pastor Wolf Miller. Uh, if you have emails for us, you can send it to them. To send them to us. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can give us a call. 1-800-385-SOLA. Did you see that shooting star tonight? Were you dazzled by the same consolation? Did you and Jupiter conspire to get me high? 
Thank you and the moon and Neptune got it right Cause now I'm shining Table Talk Radio. It's like spinach. We know you don't want to, but it's good for you. Right before wow. the break here on Table Talk Radio, you were Pastor Wolfman there reading an email sent to us. Is that a Nacho tables. Libre song? You wish it was. Nacho Libre. Uh, Are you oh, still yeah. quoting that movie? Are you almost over that little phase in your life yet? Or No. Oh, man. Not even close, huh? Not even close. I kind of thought the DJ would be Nacho Libre. I expect you to come in like a cape. <laughs> <laughs> it's time, my turn to party, party, party. <laughs> it's my turn to sing at the party. <laughs> I grew up Pentecostal, Rich Brady. I went back and forth from spiritual high to spiritual low, from altars at revivals where I felt I could storm the gates of hell to crying in the outhouse on the job site, knowing that hell had stormed me and feeling like a failure. But all was well because, after all, with prayer of repentance, I could refocus my efforts. I could be holier. I could study more and pray more. I could do it again, and I could make it this time. But I never did. And then one day I said to myself, I can't do this, so I may as well take my place in hell. This is what came of my life of spirit chasing. The promise never failed me because my own piousness and trust I placed in it, uh, but my own piousness and trust I placed in it did. More, there was always more. Evangelists were always in my ear. Come to the altar if you want more, 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 more. I don't even know what this means. So after a period of time completely away from the things of God, I stumbled my way onto the objectiveness of Lutheran theology and found it very comforting and faith-affirming. Last year, for Bible study, my local congregation, Lutheran congregation, utilized a Lutheran men's Bible study about the devil. In the study, there was a section on demons and possession. I was a little confused by the study's tendency to emphasize the subjectiveness of demon possession. It seemed out of place to me in comparison to what I had learned to be the Lutheran approach to God and his work through the Holy Spirit. But since doing the, this Bible study, sometimes I have trouble reconciling the two peti- uh, positions. Generally, I write it off, but when I listened to your show last week, you guys mentioned your email address. I thought I'd drop you a line. Was this Bible study poorly done, or is it the Lutheran po- uh, position? Brady from Virginia. Okay, so Look at all these interna- international <laughs> listeners we have. Hawaii, <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> That's right. Um, so he, he's taking issue with the idea of a subjective view of demon possession. I think so. Uh, and and what would that be? Do you think what would be the? I'm subject? not. Sh- I'm not sure, but I think that this is wrong. So we, the way we treat the <laughs> demons, I don't know either. Pat- but it's wrong, <laughs> right? Is we treat them very, very objectively. There are fallen angels, and we call them the demons, mm-hmm. and they each have a name, I presume, although they never tell us what it is, because the demons hate naming things, and they probably hate naming each other. Uh, it, I, I wonder if the demons, this is a little speculation, when they became demons, they all got together and said, uh, let's forsake our names, you know, because we'll just be all one big collective. That's the nature of the demons. Anyway. We are legion. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. That's perfect. That's it. There's my biblical proof of my uh, thing I was just making up. Hmm. So uh, the, the the demons are true. Now, we do talk about 
I think it's helpful to talk about the way the demons influence people in three different ways. So we can talk about demon possession, where a person's will has been overcome by the demons or a demon. There's demon oppression and demon, um, I don't know what the other one would be, demon troubling. Uh, so, so, um, so every Christian is troubled by the demons and, and, and attacked by the demons, demonized. tempted by the demons. No, not demonized. That's the, that would be a word closer to demon possession. So in the in the new te- in the Bible when it talks about someone being demonized, it's it they are the demon has it can control their speech and and even their actions to some degree, and that's an extreme form of uh, being uh, demon uh, um, troubled with the demons. So demon possession. Then there's demon oppression, which is where there are times in our lives where the it seems like the demons would just pile on. And take advantage of our uh, weaknesses, of our temptations, of um, of our opportunities, and simply attack. And and we can recognize that, uh, especially you see it a lot when people come to their deathbed. And it just seems like the devil will not relent, and he's bringing back sins and guilt that's 20, 30, 50, 80 years old to cause us to, to tempt us to unbelief and despair. And any other great shame and vice that he can, uh, the devil can get to. And then this third level, which is the lightest level and most common level, is being troubled by the demons, and that is every Christian. So, um, so the demons are always around us, uh, assaulting us and trying to tempt us away from the things of God. And we should, uh, we should understand this very objectively. I mean, we can't see these things, so our sense of them is sometimes not right. You know, so we could. You, you see what I mean by that? I mean, because we're not dealing with the demons through our senses, almost always. We're, I mean, sometimes. I mean, in a case of demon possession, you would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're seeing the manifestation of the demon and its will in a person. But in other cases, we're not dealing with them through sight. Um, they're spiritual beings, and so we're we're on um, uh, d- different territory. But we are uh, certainly know that they are there truly, and that God's word is the effective medicine that we've been given to fight against the demons. In fact, uh, for example, when Saint Paul uh, tells us about the armor of God that uh, that gives us the resources that we need to stand against the devil and his demons, um, he he ends by saying, "Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray." So that the most effective tool that we have against the demons is God's word, which we wield in our prayers. And in particular, uh, that word of God that says that the devil has been defeated uh, in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's right. He destroyed him. Uh, for this reason, the Son of God is manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil, First John 3. Uh, the, that Jesus became flesh and blood so that through his death he might destroy him who had the power of death. Uh, Hebrews 2, and we see that in, especially in the parable of the strong man, that Jesus says when the stronger man comes, he binds up the strong man so that he might loot his goods, and that's talking about Jesus binding the devil. Um, so, so that's right, we lean on these promises. Uh, the, the, the scriptures warn us that the devil seeks us like a roaring lion, but that we flee from him, or that we resist him, and he'll flee from us, which is amazing amazing sort of thing. And so our resisting of the devil and his work comes in the form of of speaking God's word. Uh, 
Uh, so, the, so Luther uses the picture of fumigation. I don't know what fumigation was like in the time of Luther, hmm. but I know that when I lived in Texas, the way my mom would fumigate the house was she would get this can of fumigation, bug-killing stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And she would open this can of bug-killing stuff, and then we'd go to San Antonio and go to the movies for the day because you, you can't be in the house for eight hours or whatever. And you'd come back, and this fog would go through the house, and it would kill all the roaches. Well, that's the picture that Luther uses in the introduction of the large catechism, that God's Word is like the fumigation for the devil. <laughs> so when we busy ourselves with God's Word, when we read it, when we hear it, when we sing it, when we meditate on it, when we preach it, when we study it, it's, uh, it's fumigating uh, our homes and our hearts uh, so that the devil can have no place there. And that is what I found so interesting about, was that Brady email? Mm-hmm. Uh, Brady's email. Um, what do you think, besides justification, uh, what do you think, what Lutheran doctrine, Lutheran teaching is most offensive to other Christians? The efficacy of the Word. Yeah. So that, that here you have the, the Word of God, and I was thinking even also that uh, Sola Scriptura, that we have the Word alone as our, our rule of faith, and not, you know, Brady mentioned kind of chasing after these spirits. Uh, uh, that I'm listening to that spirit. God's speaking to me here. God tugged on my heart there. And all of a sudden, you're chasing after all this stuff, and you're missing the very objective, efficacious Word of God that's right before you that forgives my sins, assures me of safety from the devil, and uh, delivers to me the very gift of salvation in and through that Word. Yeah, that's right. I think that's exactly right fascinating. We have about a minute and a half for maybe one more email. All right, try this one. I've wondered about this. God obviously is all about choice. He allowed it from the beginning with Lucifer and a third of the angels. God gave Adam and Eve the freedom of choice of the mankind. When we get to heaven, it doesn't make sense that this freedom would end. I've been told that there will be no temptation sin, but Lucifer was tempted. What's the difference? If man can mess it up, he will. Even a glorified body with the nature of Christ. I don't trust us, Dolores. Hmm. Well, Dolores... So here... Go ahead. No, 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 you go. Well, I was just said, Dolores is definitely making her opinions based upon her, her sinful natures. She's reflecting upon her life with a sinful nature. Right. That if I can sin, I will. But this is one of the marks. I mean, remember in the garden, uh, death was potential. If you eat of it, you will surely die. But in heaven, death is no, more, no longer possible. Death will pass away. So sin and death go together. So sin also in the garden was potential. But sin in the resurrection is not possible. If there's no possibility of death, there's no possibility of sin. Now, some people say, well, if you can't choose to sin, you can't love God. But that's false. The Bible's picture of freedom is not uh, being free to choose to sin or not sin, but in fact being free from sin. Mm -hmm. So sin, it puts you in bondage, and it's in the resurrection when I can no longer sin at all, that I will at last be totally free. Which free is, to do what I was created to by God. That's to love him. Which is why uh, we're now sla- free from sin and slaves of Christ, right? That's right. All right. That's, exactly that's all right. the time we have for this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the messages we had to erase on the Who Wants to Date a Pastor hotline. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery. <laughs> just now came to me if you can believe it. lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your taxi, claustrophobia, uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalist. I'm flying by the seat of my pants, kind of. More information, visit tablecockradio.org.